0: When you reached out on the forum to do the Podcast publicly well any podcast I was like I have to Because your appearances on Town Were absolutely amazing and Bizarre Not <laughs> to you, But I just loved those episodes
1: Well I mean I'm glad to hear that I just didn't think it was as uh, Well received as Everybody leads me to believe Interesting So I was
0: just running now like what are some of your Craziest stories of being an Elvis Impersonator
1: well, you know, I'm in this business, uh, Maddie. Can I call you Matty or is it Mateo? Just call me Maddie, whatever makes you feel comfortable. So I'm in this business uh, 40 years. I started when I was 14 years old, and I traveled the uh, eastern seaboard. Uh, so for crazy stories, I mean, it's not normal for a 14 or 15-year-old boy to walk into his dressing room in Birmingham, Alabama, and have two women about 40 years old basically throw themselves at you. That's not normal. Uh, And you know, they listen, they did it for a few reasons. (laughs) I'm I'm no Brad Pitt, but you know, I'm an Italian guy from New York and I was doing Elvis. So I guess the whole thing uh, got wrapped, they got wrapped up and they let their uh, hormones get the best of them. Thank God my manager was two seconds away So he stopped that before it could get crazy because, you know, whether it's now or 40 years ago, 14, 15 year old boys are not supposed to be having sex with 40 year old old women. So that could have backfired on me. Uh, Crazy stories. You know, everything is crazy in show business. Oh, absolutely. You know, when you get booked to do a, uh, a wedding, by the groom and you come out and you start singing and the bride is so offended that you are there that after a one song, the husband says, here's your money, go home. So, and you throw a scarf at the bride and she throws it on the candle and the whole table goes on fire. You know that? And yeah, and that's crazy shit. It is, you know, and, um, uh, but what's crazy in New York is not crazy in Las Vegas, and you know, vice versa. There, there are stories that happened to me in Florida, uh, which in New York, it's just, yeah, no big deal. You know, Guy tries to run out on paying you. Uh, next thing you know, you go to his house to get the money. And he's got an alligator on his front porch. Mm-hmm. So you can't, you can't go get the money. You know, it's, a lot of crazy shit happens in his business.
0: Absolutely. And um, what was I was thinking, what was the highest like uh, time you were paid or most memorable time as an Elvis impersonator you can remember?
1: Well, you know, I got to play in the Midwest uh, quite often, 15, 16, 17 years ago, and I got pretty popular out there again because I'm a New York Italian. You know, when you go to small towns in Indiana or Illinois, they will never see a New Yorker. They will never see an Italian. So for them to see me was like, and then I do Elvis. So one time we're playing in uh, Michigan and I'm in the dressing uh, truck, you know, the uh, the RV and the, the tour manager comes in and says, Oh, we got a great crowd out there. And I said, what do we got? Like he goes, well, about 15, 16. I said, hundred. He goes, no thousand. I said, thousand, 16,000 people showed up to see Elvis. And he was like, Yeah, this is like big doings out here. You know, coming from New York and Elvis show, if we used to get 200 people, we were sold out. But when you go to these small towns and rural areas that don't have Broadway, they don't have big concerts. An Elvis event to them is like Christmas. Mm. So, you know, they used to treat me like a side of my own parking space. They used to give me baskets. It was a great, great experience to tour the Midwest. Uh, but then when you went down, you know, a little bit down South, it sometimes it didn't work out as well. You know, I remember getting punched in the back of the head by some guys whose girlfriend thought I was great. And, Oh, he's so wonderful. And, you know, uh, I love that outfit. He's so sexy in the outfit. Next thing you know, I'm walking out guy cold cocks me, you know, so you take the good with the bad uh, as for highest paying jobs, you know, There's been so many very good jobs. I do the local casinos here. I did BB Kings in Times Square. Uh, But one of the best jobs I ever did was when I got hired by Vanessa Williams, who is a a legendary actress and singer, former Miss America. And I got hired to uh, do her daughter's five-year-old birthday party as Elvis. And I was so honored because there's there's like 20 Elvises in my area. And she picked me because... You know, everybody told her I was a good act. And uh, I charged her very well. And she gave me the same amount of money in a tip. So that was like, wow. And she was going out with uh, Ricky Fox at the time, the basketball player. And he saw her when she tipped me. And I looked at him and I said, how many baskets do you got to make to make $5,000? And he (laughs) says to me, four. And I was like, oh, you prick. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> <laughs> gene uh big t here uh hey,
0: yeah psychic and co-host sometimes yeah where uh where,
2: where are you from in brooklyn or new york i'm from the bronx oh the bronx i i, I right away assume in brooklyn but uh yeah. italian guy
1: yeah don't do that you, know, <laughs> it, you can't automatically assume anybody's from brooklyn or, you know it's a home of the Yankees, let's put it that way. Hey, yeah.
2: At least at least you're a Yankee fan by geographic. Like, a lot of these scumbags. I'm a Met fan because I grew oh, up we in... All Marine... got problems. we all got problems. <laughs> <laughs> but I grew up in Marine Park, and geographically correct, Shea Stadium's right there. These people that were driving past Shea Stadium to go to the Bronx for a shitty team, like, before the 90s, like, what... what like, I, I don't understand those. I feel those are the real Yankee fans. If, not, not nothing against people from the Bronx, but, like, these people that were going to... The, the Bronx in the eighties or early nineties for a team that wasn't even good passing a stadium that you can go and see a ball game in Queens. I'm not saying the Mets are even better, but, um, uh, what was that I going to say? The, the thing you were talking about being down in the South with the, when you were 14, 15, it just took me back when I was younger. And who knows what happens when we're younger, that affects us later in life. But like seeing the movie Biloxi Blues and and Matthew Broderick being so young, being with that the hooker, like I remember that's, that that might have been the first time I seen sex in a movie besides like a porno or something like like before porno. And you know, I mean, ever since then I think I always had like an older woman fetish. Did did like going down the south and seeing these women like as you got older, were you into maybe a little more different things than your friends like? Maybe, hey, I like my friend's mom. She looks good just from have, seeing these older women or seeing wild stuff on the road as a young kid.
1: Well, absolutely. I mean, uh, you got to be crazy at any age to see an older woman that's put together well and takes care of herself and not say, you know, Jesus, I'd like her to mother me or be my sexy aunt. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, you, you got you to gotta really watch what you do. I mean, even 40 years ago, If you did crazy shit, it would come back to bite you in the ass. I remember this one time. uh, I'll tell you how crazy some of the girls I dealt with were. I was going out with this one girl. And uh, I went to Florida for three months. And my mother, I was on the phone with my mother every day. And every day, my mother would get more and more agitated with me. And I said, Mom, what's the matter? She goes, when we get home, when you get home, we're going to have a fucking talk. And every day, it got worse and worse. And I remember I came home on Easter Sunday. And I walked into my house. I said, hi, mom, I'm back. She goes, sit the fuck down. So I sit down and out of my bedroom comes this girl that I was dating. And I says, oh, hi, you're pregnant. She goes, yeah. And it's yours. And I said, well, that's fucked up because we never had sex. And the girl goes, oh, yeah, you're right. And she walks out of my house. So for three months, every day, she was in my mother's ear Telling me, yeah, your son got me pregnant. And he left. Son got me, pre-. but it wasn't true.
2: <laughs> that that happened to my friend. There was a girl in Rockaway. That's where I live now. And uh, yeah, you know, people be get fucking drunk as fuck. You share the same girls, and uh, she got pregnant. And it was one kid at the hospital with the kid's parents taking pictures with the baby. It wasn't his, and it was like the third or fourth kid down the line that it turned out to be the father. And I, I I just being younger, my friends going through this, I was uh unfortunate enough of not being able to be around to be banging. I guess I was too coked up or whatever. <laughs> and fucking just going hearing you say that, have my friends go through the same thing. It's fucking <laughs> it's nerve wracking, man. And especially if you didn't have sex with. <laughs> yeah, I know. yeah, that's the main issue. I was
0: wondering when I, I just thinking about it, like when you were touring the South, like, did you have to use a green book?
1: No, no, it, it was a little uh, later than the Green. Okay, 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 yeah. But you know, it, it was the it was the mid '80s. Okay, uh, you, you had to watch what you did on stage because, like I said, you know, you're in a rural part of town and you just played some roadhouse. You know, where there maybe six guys. You know, the band, whatever, and uh, then there's 20 guys outside looking to pulverize you because their girlfriend. Uh, I got to give you another story. One of my, yeah. my first gigs was in Wheeling, West Virginia. Ooh. I mean, population 11, right? Yeah. So we did this place and it was half nightclub and half a strip club. Right. So the waitresses would uh come to both sides. So After the show was sitting down having dinner and one of the strippers was a waitress and she comes over and, you know, after doing a two hour show, drive in 11, all you want to do is have a meal and go to a hotel and go to sleep. So the girl walks over to me and I says, listen, I'm not, you know, interested. And I hand her a $50 bill. Now this is 1985 or 86. I give her a $50 bill to leave me alone. Next thing I know, I got four guys surrounding me, said I insulted the girl. I said, insult the girl. She just made fifty dollars without giving a blowjob. How <laughs> did I install them. <laughs> uh. it, w- it was like like you really offended this stripper hooker because you didn't want to be bothered. We're up in New York. You give them a fifty, they'd say that's it, and they'd walk. You know, they'd walk away twenty seconds later to go do some other trick. But down there, it was like offensive that you didn't want to be bothered. Hmm. Do
0: you think that has to do with the, like, repression of their culture? What? I was thinking, do you think that has to do with someone, the, like, their Christian repression, somewhat? Like, that ass she got offended because of it.
1: Maybe in her mind, she thought more tricks and more time she spends meant she was prettier. I don't know. Yeah, that's what
0: I'm trying to say about the Christian repression. It's like, you got to do it there instead of out in the public.
1: That could be, <laughs> that could be a fact. I never thought of it like that. But, um, you yeah. know, like I said, when you're surrounded. Yeah, it's, a, it's an you, issue. Yeah, you want to eat your fried chicken and get the hell out of there.
2: <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I just, I love, I love the, I mean, you being Italian, the Elvis impersonator. And it reminds me of just as you were talking about it, just uh, in The Sopranos when Pussy's going to meet the guy in New Hampshire, the FBI agent. And yeah. they, have the, they have the the, the Sopranos guy yeah. was the Elvis impersonator.
1: Yeah. So that <laughs> was that was actually supposed to be my part. Uh, the the guy that he met up in uh, Delaware, the federal agent, happens to be a childhood friend of mine in real life, named Louis Lombardi, and I owned a pizzeria in the Bronx at the time, and my brother was there with me, and, and Louis walked in and he said, "Hey, where's your brother?" he goes, oh, he's out doing something. He says, I got a part for him in this TV show called The Sopranos. So I call him up. What's going on? His name was Ducky, he called him. He's listen, they got a half a wise guy, half Elvis guy. It, it's right up your alley. Because listen, I'm an Italian boy from the Bronx. We all did shit when we were younger to make money that we're not proud of 40 years later. So I was, I guess, a street kid, you know, and then the Elvis. So I go down to Reed for three times. And I read with uh, this woman, George Ann Walkin, and she was uh, Christopher Walken's wife or sister. So after the third time, I go down. They send me my uh, script, FedEx. This is gonna be my big break, right? So uh, we're sitting on the couch, and it's me and two other guys. And she says to the first guy, "You know, why should I give you this part?" And he goes, "Well, my grandmother's half Italian, and I know how to make meatballs." And she says, "Oh, fuck you." Says to the other guy, why should I give you the part? He goes, well, I'm a thespian actor, and I studied the culture and arts of Italy, and I know how to say manicotti. She says, get the fuck out of here. She goes, Gene, why should I give you this part? I says, me? Because you got no fucking choice. She goes, what do you mean? As when you leave the room, I'm throwing these two jerk-offs out the 13-story window. You <laughs> loved me, loved me, but unfortunately, I wasn't in the union at the time. I'm still not in the union, but I'm eligible. And they didn't have any more waivers to give non-union guys uh, a part. So it went to another guy that I knew very, very well. Uh, And I gotta tell you, I think I'm the only Italian entertainer that was never on The Sopranos. I mean, everybody I went to school with, some of my dearest friends, one guy just passed away was Tony Soprano's driver for three years. Everybody I know was on that show except for me. Uh, but I was still doing tours. I was still singing all over the country. So back then, I don't know if I could have got the part and done it. Now I'm doing a lot more acting uh, because with the industry the way it is, there's a lot more jobs in New York and Jersey. So I'm doing it now more than ever. And uh, do I wish I was on the Sopranos? Absolutely. I could go to Comic-Con and sell 10,000 pictures.
0: Or Con.
1: Soprano Con but uh, it didn't work out for me. But I, I am in a, a show, we went to Bogota, Columbia, South America four years ago to do a show called Kingpin. Uh, it was a life of John Gotti. Oh, cool. I, played, I played John Gotti's best friend, Angelo. Uh, and for something that wasn't publicized a lot, I've, I've been noticed uh, all over the place, especially at a wedding that I went to, a girl walks up to me and says, oh, you played uh, Angelo Ruggiero in a TV show. I said, yeah. She goes, yeah, he was my father. And I went, oh, boy. She says, no, you did a good job. I was like, okay, that, that's good to know. You know. When you
0: said the title, thing, I was thinking that bad 80s movie.
1: Oh, with the, with the, with the, with the bowling? Yeah. That's, no. that's,
2: that's one of my top five movies of all time. I'm sorry. I offended Dead you. The 80s movie? <laughs> Bill Murray, yeah. Woody Harrelson, what are you smoking crack? Ah, <laughs> uh, speak, Speaking of smoking, do you uh, do you let loose a little with the um, uh, uh
1: with the marijuana, the weed? No, you know what? T? I don't. Uh, I always thought I was going to be a famous singer, so I never wanted to do anything to hurt my vocal cords. Drink, smoke, smoke pot. Uh, never did drugs in my life. I got to be the only guy. That was brought up in the music business. Never did a pill, never did coke. My weakness was uh, dinners, wine, and nice shirts. Hmm. Uh, I would go out and buy a shirt for $300 that was too small in the hopes that I would lose weight to wear it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, I never know. I don't condemn nobody. Everybody, listen, you do you, I do me. Uh, But that was never my bag. Uh, Just wasn't me.
0: What about chocolate? There's a lot of voice actors re- refuse
1: to eat chocolate. You know, it's the, it's the, uh, it's the acidic uh, what the cacao. Yeah, yeah. Which is, which is the, like sulfites in wine. It affects your vocal cords. You know, I'm not a trained singer, so I don't sing the proper way. Uh, so I always have to watch out what I do. Like if I have a show on a Saturday, I can't have anything spicy from Wednesday on. Because uh, it affects me It's, it's good that you have a lot of discipline uh, For that, uh, for yourself Well, you know what, Maddie, My father uh, was, for lack of a better word A gangster okay. Without a gang My father was the toughest man on the planet And my father once told me I remember when I came home I had three different drinks at a party And I wasn't drunk, I was sick And after he knocked me out He laid me in the bathtub And the next day he sat me down he said, listen to me very carefully. If you ever drink and drive and hurt an innocent person, he said, first, I'll put you in a hospital. Then when you come out, I'll put you in jail. Then the day you get out of jail, I'll shoot you in the fucking head. I'll meet another woman. I'll fuck her. I'll have another son named Gene because no son of mine will ever hurt an innocent person. Gene, too. Gene, too. And when you're 15 years old, if that doesn't strike the fear of God in you, then there's something wrong with you.
2: (laughs) It does. Yeah, I think think there's something wrong with me because my dad was saying things along those lines to me myself, Gene. (laughs) I I went down a stupid path. Listen.
1: did you ever get cold cocked by your father?
2: Oh, big time, big time, <laughs> big time.
1: That had a different effect on me,
2: I guess. Yeah, listen, I just, it, I like to get hit. I, even, not to, I haven't, I haven't, I don't drink anymore, so I don't fight. But even when I fought, I, li- I like that, uh, the adrenaline or when you get hit, that fight or flight. You know what I mean? Like, you have to react. You know what I mean? Like, Everyone always has a plan The old Mike Tyson saying Until you get punched in the face Yeah I
0: I would just say For one thing about it I usually get punched in the face I just like to stand there In silence It's usually more intense For the person who punched To witness himself crumble
1: Interesting (laughs) You know T You could get hit in the face And I'll go out For a French toast and the next morning, let's see how it works out for both of us.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, trust me, I'm done with the that's a different part of my life. You know, Listen, I, mean? I
1: got so drunk one night in the Hamptons. A couple of guys went out there and we tried to pick up some girls, and a guy hit me in the head with a two by four. And oh. I was so drunk, I never fell. And then he hit me again and again, and I just couldn't walk. I was so wrecked. And I wake up, I got like nail holes in my head. And that was like I think that was the last time I got obliviated drunk.
0: <laughs> Did you ever get like a brain scan years later to see what happened to
1: yourself? What? I don't know what are <laughs> talking about? Why? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> no, but like like
0: an MRA or a CAT scan, or like to see what happened with your like the nail going in your
1: head. Yeah, it was. Uh, I've been to a few uh, brain scans and MRIs and knock wood, uh, nothing's been found, good or bad. Good. That's <laughs> yeah, really good.
2: Well, the the reason the reason I was bringing up the the marijuana before, uh, Gene was because I, I have a show. Mateo's been on it. Uh, I have a cooking show, THC TV with Big T. Because I don't drink anymore. My speed is cooking with the marijuana and medicating everything, even CBD. And we just did a Managord episode recently where we medicated, like, the sauce, the cheese, the garlic bread. And, like, just you hearing you say Manicotti, like, as an Irish person, I was trying to get it down on the show, saying Managord. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you got you to say it right or you're shunned upon by certain people, you know? Jerry, Jerry. Oh.
1: You you can tell where somebody's from by the way they pronounce it. <laughs> you know, I guess. You know, but uh that that's funny. You got a cooking. Ch- so let me ask you something. Were you hungry while you were eating as well as after you were eating?
2: Oh uh, yes, he was. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, you get hungry from the because it smells good, it tastes amazing, and then ab- about 45 minutes after it kicks in, then you have the Insane amount of munchies Yeah, (laughs) it's true And Gene, my my thing for a little while When I was bouncing around Doing open mics in the city This, I always had like my edibles on me Because once I get off stage I eat my edible to calm me down Because the adrenaline and everything And homeless people ask me for money And I'll have an extra one on me I'm like, here, take this And like a homeless person High on an edible magic comes screaming up to you on like McDougal Street, like, come on, man, I'm starving, I need food. Like, they got the munchies <laughs> like like times 20, and meanwhile, they're like begging for change regularly. Like with them an hour later, I'm just causing mayhem in midtown by giving homeless people munchies all this all disheveled. Scream
1: you're the you're the one. <laughs> the naked cowboy told me about you. <laughs> And you know, it's funny. I got I got a I got a food show that they're developing now for me on on a network called Foodie TV. And we just came up with a concept called Shut Up and Eat with Gene DiNapoli. And what they want is they want me to go to restaurants all over the country, not as a food critic or a restaurant critic, but a regular guy and critique the restaurant. So we're in a development for that, which would, we would have been ready to go if it wasn't for this. You know, economy shut down. But I think think that episode, that concept would work one of the episodes. We got to get you
2: guys on. Oh, thank you. Celebrity Uh, chef. And listen, also vice versa, if you ever want to come on, I know you said – you know, it's not your speed, but we also cook with the CBD if you just want to be relaxed, you know. what I mean, because I want it to be documented in 2020, 2021 that I, I was cooking with CBD when everyone should have been years from now, you know, right? Right, well, yeah. Well, cooking with hemp count, like it's the same thing, CBD, okay? Yeah, like hemp milk. And yeah. and, and Gene, I'm, I'm a big guy, Mateo's an animal, and there's a thing called uh, what's it called, muff banging? Oh, uh, no, yeah, yeah, it, no, it, it, it's uh, muff, muffungo, something it's it's very big in Asia. And they people, they like to watch people like animals, not animals, like. Food animal. People yeah, that love yeah, food. They,
0: they love like shoving food in their mouths and, and like and, slow motion and then
2: fast forward and the sound like, you know, like when you fucking go in the food. Yeah, yeah. And Me, me and Mateo, when we're out to eat, we are gonna we wanted to do a show where we just film each other eating because the sounds it's like it's like <laughs> feeding time at the zoo. It's all it or a farm. I'm like, oh, oh, I'm taking my shirt off because I'm staining everything. He's, he really does too.
0: I have photos of it.
2: <laughs> and he's where are just, these guys located out of?
0: I'm uh, Manhattan, and he lives in Rockaway.
2: I live in Queens, Rockaway, Queens. You,
1: you came from
2: Brooklyn? Yeah, Marine Park, Flapper, Chevy.
1: And you, Maddie, Manhattan. So what you got to do is you got to go to Spamoni Gardens. We, we already do. And you
2: got to shove it in your face we (laughs) already done it listen the chicken palm from spumoni gardens yeah i know they got the square like uh, not even you take the fork i mean you take the knife you throw it on the floor it breaks with a a fork it's so good and it's not even homemade pasta it's boxed pasta but the way they probably add another butter mixing it in in the pan and the way they twirl it it makes just some regular pasta just ah phenomenal phenomenal absolutely Absolutely. Um, yeah the best the best
0: I was wondering, you, know, you said something about, um. Uh, I can't remember. I'm going to, um, I'm blanking. I, I had it. Uh, he was talking about food, homeless. Oh, yeah. I had a story about the naked cowboy. I was once in the parking lot with my father in uh, around Midtown 42nd Street. We were uh, coming from an appointment, a meeting he had. He wanted to be video record. We got in. So we got into the parking lot. We see the naked cowboy walk like in down the parking lot ramp. With a giant fur coat on, and drive off in a vintage Cadillac.
2: No, well, that guy does good. He's yeah. making probably like a thousand. Uh, probably He's probably. Something, something ridiculous. Yeah,
0: I know.
1: That guy's got more money than you could even imagine. Probably. Uh, I know, always, I always thought uh, until then he was like a homeless guy. No, never. I was down there with my wife one Christmas two ago, and we saw him, and you know because of his sideburns, he goes Elvis, come over, let's sing a song. So I sang a little bit, and we took a picture. In the fifteen minutes that we were together, he must have made three hundred dollars. So I look at my wife and I said, "How good would I look in a diaper?" She goes, <laughs> "You look like a fat fucking cupid." She told me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, that guy is uh, a uh, big Trump supporter. No, we're, not, we're not trying. Oh, to no, get, no, no, yeah, we're not trying to get political. But I, there was uh, during some of the protests. <laughs> There were people fucking with the uh, the naked cowboy. Like it looked like it was getting very yeah, very it. heated.
1: <laughs> that stuff was on Instagram. He took it down though.
2: Yeah, I saw that. Yeah,
1: listen, if he felt it was in jeopardy, he would have cracked anybody with the guitar. Yeah,
2: was, <laughs> yeah like, probably. Like the honky how, tonk man.
1: You, you <laughs> see how buff that guy is?
2: Yeah, he really is. He's jacked.
1: Nice <laughs> jacked up.
2: I would have fuck with him. And he's out there in in like it's windy and cold today. He's out there t- like colder temperatures than this. Yeah, but you know today today's a two thousand
1: dollar day for him. Probably, yeah. So, I go out there half naked for two grand. <laughs> <laughs> Starting an OnlyFans. There you go. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. Anyway. Hey, uh, are you a comedian also, Maddie? Yes. So this must have really took a toll on you guys.
0: Yeah. Well, that's why I started I switched over to the podcast format because before the, the um, virus pandemic, I would do the podcast two episodes a month. Since the shutdown I try to get an epi- I have gotten an episode out every week. Great.
2: You gotta nice. you gotta do something. There's a lot of these outdoor shows and I, I guess the higher name comics are still going on the road and stuff. And like it's it's tough, man. And like, I'm a big working my stuff out on the stage instead of writing per se, because I went to four high schools. And like, it's just, I, 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 it's like hard to practice for something that you're not, there's no test coming up, there's no shows, there's no, it's just, it, it's, it's a weird time, but I'm ready to go once, once this opens up. I mean, that's my, that's, that's me and Mateo's drug. Yeah. I yeah. Know,
1: I know a little bit about the business because my brother owned the comedy club in Times Square. Which one? It was called Ha. Okay. And uh, my brother would tell me stories. And, you know, comedy and music, it's the same thing, uh, just a different form. One speaks and one sings. But, uh, yeah, I could see what you're going practicing for me. Uh, What am I going to practice a new song for? You know, I got a couple of gigs a month. I was doing 10 jobs a week between nursing homes and hospitals and senior centers. And then on the weekends, I was doing my restaurants and the parties. So I was doing very well, 12, 13, 14 gigs a week. If I do three gigs a month now, I'm happy.
2: Hey, gee, we um, we we uh, when when things are normal per se or whatever the hell normal is, we do shows in like South Brooklyn and Rockaway, mm-hmm. and we sometimes add a, mu- a musical act uh afterwards. We have done it a few times. We would love to have you, like even if it's a demographic of people that may not like Elvis, just Elvis is. Icon- it's iconic. It's iconic, and yeah. it's and it, You're an entertainer. It's entertaining. Afterwards, maybe have you come out? We'll do a, a comedy show, and have you come out and uh, shut sure. it down for us.
1: Well, you know, listen. I don't do only Elvis. I do doo wop. I do Sinatra. I do disco. I mean, we do whatever the audience wants. But make sure you keep in touch because you know I'd love to come out and support you guys when you are back in action. And uh, we actually got a couple of venues here in the Bronx and Westchester that have approached me to do. Uh, some comedy stuff. So when everything starts flowing, you guys will get a phone call. We'll see if we can put something together. Oh, cool! Oh, cool! Uh, fantastic.
0: Someone was telling me you do sometimes shows affiliated with affiliated of Yonkers Comedy Club. Is that true? Well, that was my brother as well. Okay, okay. Th- then that person was mistaken. What? It,
1: what? Someone told me you used to run shows uh, monthly there. Oh no, my brother owned the club. Uh, I, like I said, I was involved in my singing career. Yeah, but but then I took over uh, my family's restaurant, uh, and uh, I did a couple of comedy nights there, the psychic night. But that that ended up with Yonkers Comedy Club, and then okay. my brother sold his end to the guy that's there currently. Uh, but I don't think they're doing any business to tell you the truth. Oh really? Yeah, uh, they're know, not, this is the five boroughs are closed. Yonkers is like could be open, right? Yeah, Yonkers, Westchester County, Long Island, uh, Putnam County, Orange. You know, I was I was the Elvis act at Yonkers Raceway, the casino. And we were just starting to negotiate to put a comedy room in the casino. Yeah. uh, Before COVID. Uh, Yeah. You know, and Anthony, you know, Anthony Rodia. I'm friends with him on Facebook, but I don't know him. Anthony's a great guy. we did a couple of shows together. Matter of fact, after the club closed down, uh, I put him in a, a restaurant and we honored the contract. He's a great guy and he's going to Australia. So the work is out there. You just got to get out of the of the confines and find the work. So like, what do you, what's your routine
0: now in COVID for like uh, your entertainment? Like how do you practice what you're singing or medium?
1: Well, um, I don't practice because I have no, I had no gigs for five months. Yeah. yeah. I did a couple of shows from my house. I did a charity that uh, I'm involved with a charity called Visions that gives uh, services to blind people. And we did a show. They named me the 2020 man of the year. And we were supposed to do a, a dinner and I said, uh, well, let's do a show. And she says, okay, we want to raise $500. We raised $5,700 in one night uh, in less than 90 minutes. Wow. Uh, which was a great, you know, not because of me, for my fans and my following, They were all very generous. Then I did another one for the Kiwanis out in Long Island for the kids. And I was doing that. And then I just got into a funk where I didn't do anything for four months. I just sat around the house and read some books and did a lot of cleaning. You know, both my parents passed away and I inherited all the photo albums. So I went through the photos. I would scan photos and, you know, just put stuff away. And then back in uh, November things started to open up. And I, like I said, I do two or three gigs a month now. Yeah. Uh, but this, I do my own podcast on Monday nights where I interview different singers and celebrities from the old days, the fifties, sixties, and seventies. And, uh, we a good amount of people. It's on Facebook and YouTube. Can I mention it? No, I've, I've watched it. Yeah. Mention it, please. Yeah. It's called reminiscing with Gene DiNapoli. It's on YouTube or Facebook. And the past couple of weeks, we've had people that are related to Elvis, because it's Elvis people that worked for him. This Monday, I got one of his former girlfriends on. Uh, So, you know, it's fun for me. I get to reconnect with a lot of people that I've worked with. Uh, Now, my goal is to get people that I don't know. You know, everybody that I know said, yeah, Gene, we'll do whatever. We'll do anything for you. Now, I want to get people that I never met uh, to do the show, because it'll be interesting to talk to them about things. But everybody's so standoffish. You know, who's got a manager? Oh, the manager wants 2000 Are you kidding me? There's no fucking money. I'm not getting paid for this. Why should you get paid to talk in your house for 40 minutes? Very true. You know, give back to the people. I mean, Jesus Christ, everybody's bored out of their skulls. Yeah. People are losing their jobs, their incomes, their bank accounts, and you want to charge to be spoken to? Who the fuck are you? <laughs> Crazy. I do agree. I do agree. So, you know, I've only had two no's and they were from people that are eventually going to say, we want to do your podcast because once I get up to you know, 10,000 views, then they're going to mean business. I mean, we get a lot of views now and then people will share it. So we get five, 6,000 views over the course of a week, uh, which is pretty good. I've watched a lot of the recent ones and they are very entertaining. But yeah, You know, to, to somebody of your age, you're a young guy and You're a comedian. It might not mean a lot to you, but when you get somebody 50, 60, 70 years old that can listen to a singer who had four or five hits in the 50s and 60s, it's entertaining to them because these people are never going to go on the David Letterman show. They're never going to go on the Tonight Show, Jimmy Fallon. So for me to give them a forum for an hour to just babble and talk about whatever they want, they're loving it.
2: Gene, do you, have a, uh, do you also have an Instagram do you want to plug? Yeah, he does. I
1: do. Yeah, Gene DiNapoli on Instagram, Twitter, and also Facebook and YouTube. It's just Gene DiNapoli across the board. Uh, love to get some new followers. And uh, I, wa- I want to know your guys send me a message so we can crisscross and support each other because that's what this whole world is about. It's about supporting each other.
2: Yeah, 100%. You know,
1: I-, I don't want to get into this too much, but you had mentioned about the Naked Cowboy. Yeah, and his political views. The great thing about this country is that we are allowed to have our own views and all. Absolutely. Own the problem is there are people that stamp their feet and cry when they don't get their own way, and I believe that's because of three things that happened in the past twenty years, which didn't happen with me. Number one, parents became friends with their children. My father. If I said to my father, do you want to smoke pot with meat? By the time I said, do you want to, I would get cracked. Four teeth would be on the floor. (laughs) The next thing that happened to this country is that parents were no longer allowed to hit their children. When a child is afraid, they listen a little better. And the third thing that happened that ruined the children of this country, now I'm not saying everybody, is that everybody got a participation trophy. When I was growing up, if you were in third place, you know what you got? Third place. Fucking nothing. You got nothing. Oh, you oh, want man. ice cream? You better win. If got you it. if you looked at a third strike, my father would backhand me. He'd say, go down swinging. Don't look at a third strike. The past 20 years, everybody gets coddled. Oh, my boy, my girl, they're the best. No, your kid's not the fucking best. Your kid's going to get a menial job. Push them to greatness. Don't coddle the the, the, the mediocre. Push them for greatness, and yeah. then they will succeed. Uh, I was wondering, do you write your own music? Because a lot of your songs I've listened to on the internet, are, a lot of them are covers. I You know, I don't have that talent. I don't write anything. I wrote a couple of poems in my life which were trying to put to music. Uh, the couple of things I got are covers, and I got an original song that was released back in the 80s by a doo group, which I was able to get the rights to. It's about Elvis. It's called He's Alive. And the cool thing about it is I have Elvis's background singers, the sweet inspirations, backing me up on the song. So that's being currently mixed right now. It was actually written by Butch Barbella. Who was the musical director for a movie called A Bronx Tale? Which you oh, going to bring that up? Yeah. Also, well, uh, th- that song is going to be ready in about a month. It'll be all over Spotify. Uh, cool. uh, but, but that's another movie. I got to be the only Italian American boy that wasn't in was A Bronx Tale from the Bronx. Also, I know. You
2: know what I mean, it's even more disrespect. I mean,
1: <laughs> you know, I just, I guess, I just wasn't in the right place at the right time when they were looking. Yeah,
0: uh, I was just gonna bring it like like I'm trying to think like what like what role would suit you in a Bronx Tale like just from like knowing your material and catalog of uh, content. I'm trying to think.
1: Well, I'll tell you what, uh, because of my little success that I've had in the past four years, yeah, I will tell you that I would not be a background character. Okay, I I wasn't I wasn't thinking background or even forward. i like, I think my personality would have shot me. A little bit forward. Uh, I you know, Louis Venario, who plays Crazy Mario. Yeah. Uh, he's a friend of mine. He's done my podcast. I think I would have been one of those kids.
0: I was thinking the same thing, but I didn't know, like, which angle They will put you in, like, film, line, like, like, how would they, like, put you in camera lens?
1: You know, they were supposed to add a musical uh, personality to that movie, like Bobby Darren and Dion. And yeah. I had gotten a call that they wanted me to try out. They were going to hand me the part, but it never materialized. It just didn't make sense to put in a movie. But, you know, I, I've had dinner with Chaz a few times. Yeah. Uh, and uh, great guy. Great guy. Uh, but, you know, I don't have an agent. I'm not in the union. So I guess there's a lot of parts that pass me by uh, because I'm not in the forefront of their minds.
0: Uh, which union are you speaking of? I'm just wondering. SAG. Oh, sorry. Okay. I was thinking, yeah.
1: You know, I'm SAG eligible now, but there's so few projects going on, it doesn't make sense to join. But I'm involved in a play, which, if Broadway ever opens up, it's a political play. I play a veteran. It's about 10 characters in a bar that all have different views. But the one view they all share is politicians suck and the people should run the world and the government. And then I just got picked to do a short play as Elvis, uh, 13 year old. Oh boy, looks for advice. It's in a a play. Um, was it called a uh, uh, contest? What do they call it? Uh, Sweep scene. Yeah, it's a. What's the word I'm looking for? Downtown.
0: Okay, okay, I got it.
1: You know when plays go up against each other. Yeah, yeah, I know what he talks about. Yeah, that beginning of March, and then I did a video last year for an Italian artist. This is on YouTube, called Galeffi. It was an Italian video called Mono La Cale and they made the whole video about me and we just won out of a thousand videos from Italy, second and third place. Fantastic in, for you. know Yeah. You know, right now, I think the video has got a hundred thousand views on YouTube. And so, you know, you don't understand the words, they're subtitles, but it's funny. It, it goes throughout my life. It's about how I had everything and then I lost it all. And now I'm on a comeback and they picked me to be the star of the video. And, and we've got a lot of, a lot of opportunities. We, we could go to Rome, Italy once COVID goes away. For the film festival they have there? Uh-huh. Uh, yeah.
2: Awesome. Awesome. I mean, yeah. We
1: actually, we actually won what was called the Golden Note. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to bring up. Right. We won the month of June. And last uh, in January, this past week, we were supposed to go to London because the 12 winners go to London for the finals. So my wife and I would have went to London if there was no uh, shutdown. So like the plays you were, were they musicals or straight at plays? Uh, a little bit of both. Uh, okay. I did, of course, I did Grease and Bye Bye Birdie yeah. uh, when I was younger. Uh, then I did a play where I, uh, it's called uh, Mike and Mindy's Crazy Karaoke Night. I played the father of a girl who wants to become a musician. And I was the only guy in the play that was against it. And then I make a complete 180 and at the end I accept it. So I was supposedly one of the best characters they said in that play because I showed a lot of emotional range. But this play that I'm involved with now it's called Conversations with an Average Joe. And uh, if this hits Broadway, it's gonna open up a lot of doors uh, because my character is so vocal, uh, good and bad. Is highs and lows with my cow. All the other characters are monotone, they're, they're even keel, they're calm. My character is, is low and high. So there's peaks and valleys. So hopefully, once that hits, whether it's on streaming or YouTube or uh, Broadway itself, hopefully there'll be other opportunities for me because I like plays. I like plays uh, for what they are. You know, I got, I got a lot of respect for. Actors on Broadway and, and live because, you know, there's no retake. When you do a TV show or a movie, if God forbid you screw up, well, we could rewind the videotape or rewind and do it again. When you're in front of 500 people, you need to hit your cue line so the next person knows what to say. So there's a lot of pressure. Uh, and I got mad respect for everybody that does this for a living now.
0: Absolutely. And I was like, um, who do you know who the playwrights are for these various
1: plays? Well, the one play that I'm involved with, uh, right now, this, co- this conversation is whenever it's Joe. Uh, the guy's an ex state senator from New Mexico named Joe Carrera. Interesting, and uh, he's, he's got so much to say, uh, that he constantly rewrites the play. Like, he threw in Ruth Bianchi Ginsburg, he threw in Pelosi, he took this out. Yeah, I think personally it would make a great weekly TV show Because politics is going to be around For the rest of till the world explodes So you could constantly change the ending Or the middle of the TV show and Just make a political show every week
0: Yeah I feel like, the, like it ha- If you're going to do that It has to have a set timelessness Because if you do it It will be aged out eventually
1: That's the problem with having a beginning And, and an ending for a play uh, unless you're a musical or, or something like phantom yeah but when you're telling a current story it's going to constantly change and that yeah. could be a good thing for people to keep coming back to it you know i listen i love elvis presley but i wouldn't watch the same movie every week that's like going to see cats every week well, It's the same play <laughs> you know but if you get a political play or, you know, that's why people went to see Elvis or the Beatles or Sinatra Because the shows would change every day How do you go see the same thing over and over? You might as well stay in your house and just watch it on DVD Exactly But if you get a political play uh, That has a message and put it on TV I think it's going to be a winner
0: I, I do agree I like, 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 if hypothetically it becomes a TV show Do you think it'll be better as an hour or a half hour show?
1: Uh there's 10 characters. So I think an hour, okay, which, which comes out to 48 minutes, it's- I think an hour would be great for advertisers and to get the message across. Yeah. You know, half hour is good, I believe, for sitcoms. But when it comes down to drama or a message, I think an hour. Interesting. You know, Gene- that's, my, that's my own view. Of course, I'm not. Yeah.
2: Here. Well, Gene, I, I hope... I hope you have a chance to uh, go to Rome to get a, an award, but I hope, I, I want to know if, if that was your first time ever going to Italy. Have you gone to the, the motherland, the home country? I,
1: I, I've never been to the motherland uh, and I have my father in a box. He was cremated and he said to me, uh, I don't want to be buried in America. Take me to Italy and throw my ashes, ashes into the Bay of Naples that's where we're from and that's what my father loved so it is a dream to get to italy Uh, my wife and i we travel a lot we do a lot of cruises we sing on a lot of cruise ships too uh, through cruise planners uh dream destinations travel they book me on cruises to alaska and cuba and bermuda so we are trying to put one together in 2025 uh, to go to italy and greece which with me performing on the ship uh, to get to Italy and I want to make my father's Final wishes come true Just wonder, uh, Curiosity
0: would Istanbul be a stop you'll be Potentially be interested in what? Uh Because you're going to Italy
1: and Greece Would you potentially like to go to Istanbul You know I'm I believe that now travel is knowledge So I would go I'd go anywhere as long as it's safe Okay Uh My wife and I watch a lot of documentaries. Matter of fact, with the the shutdown, they've been doing a lot of virtual tours in different countries. Yeah, I've been doing those as well. Yeah, so I watch, you know, I'm already signed up for Egypt and Turkey. So, you know, it's very interesting, the the world. So I'd be stupid to say, no, I don't want to go to Istanbul or anywhere else. As long as there's no shooting and conflict, you know? There isn't currently. If I wanted shooting, I would have joined the army when I was a kid. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Tommy, have anything to add?
2: No, I just. Uh, well, listen. I hope. I hope you go before twenty twenty five, and you and you get the award for, for being a part of the the foreign film that's on YouTube that's uh, really trending well. You were saying over a hundred thousand views, nice. and it was an absolute pleasure of meeting Eugene and 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 just to interview you. You you're just a, a character with a lot a lot of good stuff to say and just, I, I just, I feel like I know you, you know what I mean? You're very yeah, personable. And I agree. I, I, I'm going to message you and start following you after this so, on, on Instagram and, and hopefully no do the same.
1: And thank you. I just, you know, I don't, I don't do many of these because I really don't have much to say for a guy that's in the business 40 years. It's kind of like the same thing over and over, but I want to thank you for uh, allowing me to do this. And hopefully uh, we picked up some new fans. Hopefully it brings you in some viewers and keep an eye out on the Comptown page. Oh, we're those guys, gonna, those fans are obsessed with me. Yeah. We're going to have some t-shirts uh, made. And if I could tell you one of them, uh, which is going to be sold, there's a picture of me as a gangster. Well, right? that's going to be it's great.
0: A, I got to get page. one of
1: those. It says, Gene DiNapoli says, listen to Comtown. <laughs> I'm going to fuck in the ass. <laughs> and make you humble. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> And make you humble. Yeah. So You know, we got somebody that thinks we can do some business here. So we're going to try to uh, market it and see if people really want to, you know, get them. And listen, you know, I've been toying with stand up. I'm very funny in my shows. I'm quick witted. I've been toying with the idea of doing some stand up. Uh, So if anybody wants to give me a chance, hey, all I can do is fall on my face.
2: Listen, our stage is your stage. Jim. Exactly, we're, I we're, agree. We're gonna we're gonna definitely uh, work going forward. Yeah, you know I mean, yeah. Uh, we we have some things in the in the works, it works. and uh, we definitely definitely want you to be a part of part of it. I'd definitely. be honored to. I'd be honored to. And
1: and great luck with your your podcast here. I think you guys you speak really great, uh, which is a big plus in the podcast business because yes, it is. Well, I've listened to a few podcasts where you just can't even understand people. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh. It's like it's like getting a call from a call center in Zimbabwe. It's, <laughs> what the fuck did he say? <laughs> but I thank you and uh, enjoy the rest of the weekend. And anytime you need me, I'm here. And let's cross promote each other's pants. All right?
2: Yeah, hundred percent. I'm
1: gonna cut it.